Welcome to Mojo Moments. I'm your host, Thane Calder, and with me is the wonderful Mark Delinsky. How's it going, buddy? Good to be back. Yeah, it's good to talk again. Um, you know, it's 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 another day in, in COVID life. Uh, you? How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Mojo's mojo's okay. I'm, I'm mid-mojo. Not high mojo, not low mojo. I'd say mid-mojo. It's probably good to have mid-mojo days because then when you have the high ones, you know it's... Then you acknowledge and you respect the high yeah. ones. I mean, it's good I'm not in the low mojo, but uh, I'd say the mid-mojo. So, so speaking of mojo, uh, my, my mojo is pretty good right now, by the way. Uh, we're going to be talking about pets, right? We are talking about pets. It's a fa- fascinating subject. Uh, but what's interesting, just sorry, little story about me. Surprise, surprise. I didn't sleep well last night because of my pet. What a bummer. So Panda, your cat. Yeah, Panda. So Panda, you know, we love Panda, but at night Panda sleeps in the basement. Don't worry. Panda has a good basement Yeah, it's not life. a dungeon. It's, it's a, not like dripping. It's not a cold no, cellar. It's no, a proper, no, proper no, no, no. finished, it's, furnished. It's super cool. She has the biggest room in the house. Like it's the family room. Wasn't your office also the, in the basement? The, and there's yeah. the office and yeah, well that that was a point. So we put her down there at night, and last night I was working late, and then I have to get up early for a European call at like five thirty. So I'm like, I'm not going to double wake up the wife. Mm. Just not a good idea. That's a, that's a mojo killer right there. Absolutely for everyone. So I was like, I'll just sleep in the basement. So I go down. There's pandas like on the couch, so cute. Gives me like a little looks up eyes barely open and just like oh what are you doing here i'm going back to sleep and i was like oh that's cute so i go in the bedroom and go to sleep 3 30 and so i went to bed around 12 30 3 30 guess who's on my head panda a little panda on the face yeah so a little three hour sleep last night is not usually you know i usually go for the at least the seven ish hour types yeah seven's yeah. a good range anyway we brought in an expert today. We did. Faith Banks is going to be on the cast with us. And she is a veterinarian, but specialized in hospice, palliative care, and euthanasia. Sounds dark, but it's actually, I had a little chat with her the other day. It's fascinating what she does. And she has such a unique insight on pets. Pets uh, and the relationships we have with them. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to have Faith tell us why pets give us mojo. Let's get to Faith. Let's let's stop our rambling. Okay, Faith Banks, listen up. Faith, welcome to Mojo Moments. Thank you very much. We did this awesome pre-intro, but probably not awesome enough because I think uh, you're going to do a much better job describing your whole expertise. Uh, but on your call today, you have uh, Mark, who's the smarter half. He's very generous in saying yes. that. But thank and, you. Well, he, he does homework. He, he gets prepared. <laughs> um, Someone has to. As a little you know, preamble, so this whole mojo thing, you know, uh, We've been, we've been riffing on Mojo for a year now, uh, talking with a whole, you know, range of different people, uh, from business to artists and just where they get their Mojo and 
like a few weeks ago, we're like, you know what gives a lot of mojo are pets. We're like, think about it. You know, I have a cat recently. Mark has a dog. And we're just like, let's just talk about mojo pets. Then we realized we know we're not experts in this. And then when I saw your posting online of what you're up to, I was just like, this is fascinating. So um, can you break it down? So what is it you do? Tell us what you do. Let's go to the basics here. Um, Sure. So I guess to start off with, I am a veterinarian. That's the first thing. So um, I went to vet school just out of uh, outside of Toronto called the Ontario Veterinary College, which is in Guelph. Um, And I graduated in 1996. And I went into general practice, as most new vets do. Um, And I worked at a um, I worked at several clinics actually in Toronto, uh, sort of midtown, central Toronto, downtown Toronto. And after about oh, 16 years or so of practice, I decided that um, I needed to learn more to be able to care for my own dog who was starting to show signs of old age. Um, And I wasn't really seeing people come into the practice with the same types of issues that she was having, but I knew that she couldn't be the only one out there. So I started learning more about geriatrics. I started learning more about pain management And then I read an article about animal hospice on Facebook. And I was like, wow, I've never heard of animal hospice. I didn't know there was such a thing. And uh, there was, but not very well known. And so the more I learned, um, the more, I guess, passionate uh, I became about it and sort of felt like that was my mojo and that was what I wanted to do. Um, And I just wanted to learn more and then share this type of knowledge with others um, and I decided that I wanted to do it in the comfort of people's homes. Um, I didn't want pets to have to come to the clinic and, um, you know, usually clinic appointments are 15, maybe 20 minutes if you're lucky. Um, very, very short. And our appointments in people's homes for a consultation or exam, um, we do one to two hours in their home. And so, wow. um, yeah, so a very different sort of philosophy behind how we care for pets, how we care for their families. Um, And when I started, it was just me. I did everything. Um, And now we're a team of 11 women. And we have uh, six veterinarians and five hospice care coordinators that keep us all on track and, um, you know, let us know where we need to be and when. Um, And our focus is solely on geriatrics and end of life. So that means a lot of what we do is in home euthanasia. So it's fascinating. Like, you know, when you think of, of the whole medical world, whether it's with humans or animals, it's all about, you know, during life, trying to preserve life, trying to hang on and, and to get the best health. It's it, my own. And I'm going to talk about my mom for a sec here, not about animals and her end of life. Uh, she was in palliative care and, I was blown away of how transformative of for her and for the family around her to have that. Now, she, she wasn't at home at that point, but never, ever thought of that for animals. And it just makes so much sense. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I hear all the time um, that, you know, it sort of works both ways, but I think sometimes people don't know it's for animals. And when they see the way that we are caring for the pet and their family, they say to me, you know, 
will you come back in 20 years for me? Um, or, I wish, <laughs> you know, yeah, I've had that before. Several times. Um, or they say, I wish we had this type of care for my mother or my father or my brother or my uncle. Um, it, it's just, it's a different way of thinking. And it's not just sort of push, push, pushing to lengthen their life, but it's all about quality of life. The question here is like, at that moment where someone is saying goodbye to their animal, like they're obviously most likely sad or devastated. Uh, um, what have you noticed? Is there a pattern in terms of how do people, or you just, it's just a natural, you got to just allow the, the pain and the sadness to happen. Or is there, is there things that you do to help their mojo in that moment? Or is it, what's the secret there? Like, so um, I guess, you know, I, I don't try and take the pain away or take their sadness away. That's not for me to do. And, and that's theirs to have. And I think that that is an important part of their grieving to, is to feel. And so if I were to, you know, try and say, oh, don't worry, it's fine. You know, everybody goes through it. I mean, that's not going to help them. So I, I do help to I, I help them to try and understand what they're feeling and why they are feeling that way. So, you know, what grief actually does to you, um, just so they can sort of make sense of things a little bit. You know, one of the interesting things that we find is often, uh, so a lot of the pets that we see, I mean, we are coming in just at the, the, the very end. You know, we don't have a relationship with these clients. We haven't known them their whole life. Um, but they feel a sense of relief or release after the pet passes. And so, you know, when you get a diagnosis that your dog has cancer, for example, um, it doesn't mean your pet is dying that moment, but in your brain, your brain kind of starts preparing you for it. And you start going through all the stages of grief and grieving at that time, but then you're kind of stuck in that spot and you can't move past it until your pet actually passes. I know it sounds strange, but you sort of end up in this limbo type of state um, until you feel relief after they've passed. And so people often feel kind of a little bit, I mean, they're sad for sure, but they sort of feel like this weight has been lifted a little bit. And so one of the things I try and explain to them is that they shouldn't feel guilty about feeling that weight being lifted, that it is a normal part of the grieving process um, because they've been dealing with all these feelings for so long. And this is sort of one of the last feelings. Uh, I mean, there's many more moments of sadness, don't get me wrong, but it, it's it's one of the stages they just haven't experienced yet. When you go through that with, with these families, what are some of the ways and, and the methods you employ for yourself? Because you're dealing with a lot of emotion and all of this. Like, how do you yeah. keep your mojo for yourself through all that? Yeah, um, you know, um, I'll, I'll answer that in a second. And and we just had someone who was talking to myself and uh, one of my other uh, co-workers. And they were saying, like, isn't it just so sad? Like, do you cry all the time? What's it like? And, um, you know, certainly when people start working with us, they're very concerned that they're going to just cry all the time when they hear these sad people on the phone. So, <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing, but I, I just... <laughs> I remember when I was answering the phones and I'd pick up and, you know, say hello, and there would be silence at the other end because I knew, like, they, they couldn't even catch their breath to speak. And so I would just say, take your time. It's okay. You know, I'm here when you're ready. Um, so people always wonder, like, is it just the saddest job in the world? 
And none of us feel that way. Like we, we truly feel so honored to be able to walk people down this path and, and, and provide this type of care to their pets. Like it's really wonderful, but what do I do? Um, I, I think one of the major things that I do is I tell myself, this is not my pet. And, you know, I'm there to provide a service and an amazing, incredible, the best it can be service to my clients, to the pet owners. Um, so if I went and sat and cried the whole time with them, I can't do my job properly. No, of course not. And so, you know, we, we go in very focused. Um, I mean, we're still compassionate and we show empathy and we show kindness for sure. Um, but we're also focused on making sure that it is the best experience it possibly can be. Um, and I, I think to myself, this is not my dog. Um, but it's hard sometimes, you know, when I, when I see families that have kids around my, the same age as my kids, and I picture my son, you know, when it's time that our little Chihuahua is ready, um, you know, I, I see that teenage boy and I think about my teenage boy and I, I, that kind of gets me and I bite my tongue mm-hmm. or I bite my lip a little bit to just keep moving. Yeah. You, cause you have to hold it together. You totally. Can't. <laughs> totally. I've always said to my veterinarians, I have no problem with you crying, but you cannot cry more than the pet owner. So you know, that's, that's one of my rules. I, I don't want the owner have to, you know, to have to console us. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I actually heard that once from a client that she didn't want her vet to help with her second dog euthanasia because she was the one who was oh, trying no. to make him feel better. So, um, but it, it's hard. It's sad for sure. You were telling me the other day when we, we quickly uh, had a catch up, you, uh, your first partner in your practice, just, can you replay that story? Cause I think it's brilliant. Sure. Yeah. So when I started thinking about opening this type of service, um, I reached out to a friend of mine who we had gone to high school together. Um, and, uh, we weren't close in high school. I'm a little older. Um, but then we were in vet school again, separated by years, but you know, we've always sort of been together. And when I started this, I reached out to her and I was like, I have this idea, let's do it together. And I explained it to her and she was like, that is the saddest thing. I cannot do this. Um, And so I sort of pursued it on my own. Um, And then at some point shortly after I was going away on a, a vacation with my family. And so I asked her if she would fill in and she did. And we met after for coffee and she said, this was the most rewarding time in my career. Um, and she, she's like, I want in, I want to work with you. And, uh, so, uh, she's been one of my vets now for, I I guess within a year after I started, she started and she's been doing it full time with us. Um, and she loves it. They, They all do like the, the vets really feel that this is such rewarding work. You, you have this, so this unique insight on, on, on people with their pets. Do you, do you have a, an opinion or uh, uh, an idea why pets give us so much mojo? I guess the answer that you typically hear from everybody is unconditional love. And, you know, probably now during COVID when everyone is home in your pajamas and you don't really have to shower unless you're going to be on camera that day. Um, you know, you can be stinky, you can be smelly, your hair can be a mess. Um, they don't care. I mean, they, they love you no matter what. Um, and they are always there. Um, they're not moody. Um, 
they're there to snuggle with, they're on your lap, you know, they're at your feet, they're in your bed, they watch you exercise, they watch movies, like, they're just there for you all the time. And they're always ready to love you. And, um, and I think that's incredible. I mean, who who doesn't want that kind of love? It's just, it's pure love doesn't matter what you look like, what you wear, how fancy your purse is, you know, they, they love you. I wonder if we as humans could be like pets. <laughs> it, it would be wonderful. It would be wonderful. I mean, to, to have that kind of a relationship with someone, I think it would be too hard because people are too complex, but, yeah, yeah. but, but, you know, how fortunate we, we are to, to have that um, from somewhere. They don't talk back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't complain. You want me to go on? <laughs> I was going to say, could you could you take us into that moment when you arrive at a person's home and and you're about to go through that process that two two to three hours? Like, take us through how it works. So, so those are two different things. the 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 one to two hour appointment is what we call a geriatric consultation, and so that is really when, uh, for example. Um, either a pet has been given um, a very bad prognosis, a poor prognosis, bad disease, um, and they're just not sure sort of where to go, what to do, how to handle it, what does it mean, what is the end going to look like, how do we make decisions. Um, and so we spend a fair bit of time talking. I mean, it's all talking mostly. You know, a physical exam takes a couple of minutes, so it's really talking. Um, and I've joked before that I feel more like a, a therapist um, than a veterinarian sometimes. Um, my dad is a psychiatrist, so I think I, I got a lot from <laughs> nice. him as well. Um, but uh, one of the things we also do during that time is a quality of life assessment. So I have a, a scale that I put together that we've been using for about 10 years now, um, which is available on the website. And it's a really helpful tool for pet owners who are struggling with determining their pet's quality of life. So it used to be that, you know, I'm hoping it's changed that that's no longer say, you know, go home, you'll know when it's time, um, because that is not yeah. helpful advice at all. But monitoring quality of life is really helpful. Um, so that is sort of what we do during the consultation. The The actual in-home euthanasia process is uh, we, we have about an hour um, that uh, we are in the home for that. And the first part of the um, appointment is really just talk is talking to the owner, assessing the pet, um, just making sure they understand, you know, why we're there, what's happening, what is going to happen, what the process actually looks like for euthanasia. Um, and so, you know, we explain everything. Um, often there are children at home and they are there and they are a part of it. And so we're very comfortable explaining the process to kids. Um, and, you know, we want to make sure that everybody understands and um, is comfortable being in the space um, before we proceed. Uh, we always sedate pets first. I think it's an important step to sort of gradually um, to, to relax the pet, which we, we always say has a, an, an, a secondary effect on the owner by almost relaxing them, too, when they see their pet is relaxed. Um, but uh, so they're sedated first brought to the point of being anesthetized, and then um, the euthanasia drug is given. So, you know, everybody always says, I want my pet to be sleeping. I wish they would just pass peacefully at night. And that's really what we are trying to achieve. That's incredible. It's fascinating. I actually have a, because you mentioned the psychiatry side, I actually have a consult question for you right now. Sure. 
a colleague of ours, uh, Gisela, um, she loves her dog. Her dog is a big part of her life and apparently is suffering from anxiety and night terrors. And she hasn't been able to resolve this. So are there experts in, you know, in, I guess, and, and I asked her, is, is your dog old and no, six years old? No. Is there a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist for animals? Yeah, we don't call them that, um, okay. but we call them behaviorists. So yes, there, there are veterinarians that graduated from vet school and went on to study animal behavior. And so, um, you know, they definitely could help with that. Um, sometimes just putting pets on some anti-anxiety medications or making some changes to um, sort of the nighttime routine or leaving lights on, um, you know, often pets want to be with you. Um, and so making sure that, that, that it's accessible and you're still able to sleep throughout the night and not have your, you know, with you, with your cat whacking you all night long. (laughs) It's actually a very common problem in older dogs and cats. Um, And we, we, we call it canine cognitive dysfunction, which is like dementia in, in elderly people that we see. And one of the things that happens is they kind of sleep throughout the day. They're awake at night. Cats tend to be very vocal, you know, walking around howling, like, where is everybody? Um, That sort of thing. Um, And, Often the, you know, with dogs, especially they're panting and pacing around your bed and keeping people up at night. It's a big problem, big problem. No, no, no. And you can tell it's, it's really, uh, it's wearing on her because I said, sure. uh, sure. I think this is a new thing. I don't think it, it was going on forever. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, well, I'll tell her to look in for, to a behavioral animal therapist? Yeah. I mean, her, her regular vet would probably be able to, um, discuss potential. She seems a little, and we won't go into that. (laughs) (laughs) She seems underwhelmed with what she's gotten as advice so Mm -hmm. far. So anyway, sorry, but so we went into that. Hey, very serious question (laughs) here. Yeah. Does a, does your animal pet need to be something you can pet? We were wondering what, <laughs> like what, a, what qualifies as a pet. Like, can a fish be like? Oh, for a, sure. Can a fish be a pet? Do you have to be able to pet your pet? Is there anything <laughs> that like you would not classify as a pet that people no. have as pets? No, it's just you can see. Yeah. There's deep thoughts here on Mojo Moments. Right? No so doubt. Bear yeah. with it. No doubt. Um, I would say animal companion. If you think about it that way, it can be anything. That's true. That is a good way. Why didn't we think of that thing? Because we're not the experts. That's true. <laughs> That's why we have experts on. Or else, would it be a boring show, just you and I knowing everything? That would be. Because funny, yesterday, uh, someone, we were on a, a team Zoom call or, or whatever we're using, whatever platform. But the point is, they brought a goat on. So there's this British petting zoo company because of the pandemic has decided to offer pets during Zoom calls. <laughs> One of uh, our hospice care coordinators, very, I guess it was in the spring, actually, she reached out, and I wish I could remember the name of the place. Um, I don't even remember where it was, but it was basically an animal sanctuary, and we got to see some goats and all sorts of animals wandering around, and they came into our Zoom call. So it was, it was sort of a fun uh, little break from the, the serious stuff. 
So, so let me jump. So the question back earlier around the companionship, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to pet. Could, would it be feasible? Let's say you're someone who just can't have animals because where you live or you can't afford or you're whatever. Could a virtual animal do it? Hmm. Um, well, I actually just saw um, an article where they are using uh, robotic little stuffed animals that look like dogs to provide company for people with dementia. So they feel that they are sitting and petting and caring and talking to a, a little stuff like a a dog, perhaps, um, but they don't have to care for it the same way, but it's providing them comfort. So I think your answer is yes. I mean, for most people, it's not going to cut it. Um, but, you know, I suppose it's it's sort of like when you think about grownups that enjoy playing with dolls. Maybe, I don't know, it, it, it's giving them something. It's not the same as a baby, but it's 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 providing some that exists adults play with so. dolls i think so that's because I, I you're making me think of uh what's his name tom hanks on uh, what was the cast away with the volleyball cat yeah with his oh, wilson with, he talked to it yeah <laughs> in his mind he talked back right yeah. <laughs> yes so so there we go so maybe you just need a ball uh, an old was it a soccer ball or a volleyball? It was or a volleyball. Like volleyball. A Wilson yeah, volleyball, yeah. hence the name. Yeah, exactly. Well, I knew the Wilson, but can't you get a Wilson soccer ball or is that only I don't volleyball? know if they make soccer anyway, balls. that's it not the matter, goal of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is the exciting part of what we do. We, we have uh, rabbit hole questions. Okay. And we don't call them rabbit hole questions because we're talking about pets. We've been calling them rabbit hole questions forever because they used to be this kind of rapid far, fire questions, fire yes. question, and they, they're never rapid. So now they're okay. rabid. Or okay. Rabbit. Work okay. with me. Help me, rabbit Mark. Rabbit hole five. Gotcha. Yeah, rabbit hole five. So lead off, Mark. What are some of the weirdest pet names that you've come across in, in your adventures? Oh, boy. I used to actually keep a list. Because sometimes it's not the, it's not just the first name, it's the first name, last name that actually completes the joke. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to come up with any, um, I don't think I'm going to be able to come up with. Okay. We're throwing you on the Has there been a, has there been a unique animal? Like have you ever had to euthanize a, a, a cobra or something? No. And my answer would be no. Um, Why we, is that illegal? Uh, I believe it's illegal, yeah. but I'm not oh, a okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess so. Uh, where do I live? What yeah, do I uh, we we do dogs and cats, and um, you know sometimes we'll see rabbits. Um, we just got a call about a, chin- a 15 year old chinchilla oh. the other day. Um, yeah, I didn't know chinchillas lived that long, um, but we are 99% dogs okay. and cats. Um, although one of our veterinarians does see a lot of um, exotics um, when she's in a clinical practice. And so, you know, we're bringing over that expertise to our okay. service now as well. If you were to be reincarnated as an animal or come back as a different type of animal, I guess we're all animals, but what animal would you choose to be? 
Oh, I think my Chihuahua has a really good life. Um, so <laughs> I would have to say my Chihuahua, she's turning 14. Her legs barely touch the ground. I mean, she has just carried so lovingly from room to room, although she can walk. Um, we choose to just, you know, carry her like the the queen that she is. Um yeah, she's got a really great life. She has heating pads on every bed. So she can just go from one bed to the next and have her heating pad. She has little stairs so she could get out all of our <laughs> She, you know, for when, when her feet do actually hit the ground. Um, yeah, she's, she's got a good life. So I would have to say I'm, I would like to come back as Beatty. Very cool. So aside from her oh. name. Her name's not Princess then, because didn't Mark you came came across? Yeah, there was a recent article in the New York statistic? Times that uh, analyzed the names in a in a very large pet cemetery in the U.S. and the number one name mm-hmm. was Princess. Ah, oh, we see a lot of like Daisies and Mollies and Luckies. Hmm, Lucky's yeah. a nice name. There was a guy on my street when I grew up. His name was Lucky. He was lucky by oh. name and nature. It was very funny. <laughs> But he had a really bad luck. No, he was actually really lucky. It was very fitting. Okay. It's like a fr- my my a friend of mine, I won't name him. He he dated this girl named uh Happy. And we were all so excited to meet Happy. They were he was away and we had these high expectations. It just, just wasn't that enthusiastic. So we were disappointed on that. But anyway, we're going see rabbit holes. <laughs> That's why the rabbit holes. So aside from your work and your pets, where do you get your mojo? Like you're dealing with a lot of stuff all the time, a lot of emotions. You you, you must need to recharge that mojo somehow. How do you do that? Um, my family spent a lot of time with our kids. Um, we have a cottage and I love being there. I love looking out at the water, um, being outside and just sort of getting away from the, the hustle and bustle of the city. Um, and during non COVID times, we would have friends and family up there and it's just a really amazing place to, to relax and, um, unwind. And the question, this is the cherry on the cake question that we ask all our guests. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just a shortcut cheat for, for me at this stage and later on for Mark, (laughs) uh, is cause I have a, uh, my eldest teen is now 17, so uh, what advice would you give yourself, your 17-year-old self? So if you could have that conversation with your 17-year-old self, what advice would you give? Um, I, I think the advice would be to do what you love. Um, when, when I first graduated, I was thinking about opening a mobile service because I loved the idea of sitting around someone's uh, kitchen table and talking about their pet um, and helping them in that type of environment. And I remember a veterinarian telling me at that time, all you're going to end up doing are euthanasias. And I remember thinking to myself, I- I'd actually be okay with that. Like I-, I could see back then the the benefit of being able to do that in the home, but I sort of went the normal route and, you know, did the the, the regular type of practice Um, but I sort of think like maybe if I had done it, I I mean, I don't know that things would have changed that dramatically and I'd probably end up where I was today anyways. Um, but 
if I sort of listened to myself and what I loved back then, which was the relationship part with, with people, um, not so much the medicine part of things, um, then, uh, you know, I, I, again, I'd probably end up here, but I think my, my advice would be to, to do what you love. It's like you already knew then you at some level knew. I, I think maybe I did, but I just didn't listen to myself. Yeah. Fascinating. I love that story. Uh, because it, my, my son right now is totally in trying to, it's such a strange age because they're still young, but trying to, what am I going to do with my life? And it's right. like, it's like, just do what you love. And right. maybe he doesn't know what that is yet, but at least be open to hearing and trying to know, identify it. Yeah. Super advice. Uh, marked. Any other questions? Because someone is dinging. That means That's me. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That means, yeah, you're, means busy. you're busy. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's people my, need my you. Daughter who's in the room next to me sending me messages. Like, what are How's you it doing? Going? Why are you talking about weird things? It's getting it's getting weird in there. Do you need help? Yeah. But no, I don't think I have any more questions. I mean, I think I think what you do is absolutely fantastic. A friend of mine, his cat was, I think he was about 14, and he had, he had someone come in when it was time for his, his cat to be euthanized. And he said there's he wouldn't do it any other way. He had that happen. He, you know, he, he, Are they in Toronto? No, Montreal. He's in Montreal. Wow. And, um, and yeah, he said it was absolutely fantastic. It was a, it was a great moment that he, that he could share like, with his partner and his, and his cat, and, and it was wonderful. So keep up the good work. It's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that your friend said that um, because uh, death is scary and um, you know, it's not something that people want to think about, which I completely understand why, um, but it can be a beautiful moment. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, we strive to do. And, and obviously the veterinarian that helped your friend, you know, we want it to be beautiful and memorable um, and, you know, as good as we can make it. So it's, it's special to be able to do that in your home. Absolutely. I have to say you're very good advocate for your profession. You communicate you. it really well. You're, you're clear. Uh, you're, it was super interesting. I appreciate Thank you. this. Well, Thank I you, Faith. being able to share the message and, and chat with you guys. And uh, we're going to get the word. We, we have, we're up there in the top 10 podcasts on our street. Uh, so <laughs> you're going to have. Yes. Your, your, your phone is going to be digging like crazy. <laughs> right. Well, well thank, thank you. you. No problem. And take all. care and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Ciao. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. That, uh, that was an awesome conversation with Faith Banks. I mean, holy cow, I had no idea that even that profession existed. Makes total sense to have an expert for the end of your pet's life. Like Fun fact here. Pet owners over the age of 65 make 30% fewer visits to their doctors than those without pets. Pets are so – they're keeping people wait, 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 alive, wait. man. Can we hold – let's collaborate on that, that stat point there. Okay. 30% less doctor visits for people that have pets. Yeah. When they're 65 and over, whatever. The point is, that is huge. We should give pets to the world. Yeah.
if you want to learn more about Faith Bank's uh, hospice and palliative care, it's Midtown Mobile, based in Toronto. It's been around since 2012. Um, you should check it out. Spread the word for those who may or may not need such a service. On that note, that was awesome. Everybody, thank you for listening to Mojo Moments. You know where to find us. Share it with the rest of the world. We're going to do a wrap on thanking Faith Banks again. Thanking Noah. Thanking Mark. Thanking me. Thanking my mom. And and I guess my dad, but that's a whole other topic. We'll say that for another podcast. But thank you for listening, you, the listener, to the Mojo Moments podcast. And playing us out here is Chris Vallon. Bye. Bye.